There is a story about a farmer who was beginning a new field, and he chose an object far away and drove the tractor toward it, knowing that if he kept his eye on that object, that the furrow would be straight. But he looked back, and the furrow was bent. And later on, he realized that the object that he chose was a cow. <laughs> you know, in other words, uh, and, and there are many people who begin well, but they look back on their life and they realize they did not run straight because they got off on something other than looking to Jesus. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. So good to have you here on this Wednesday. We have had a wonderful time with area pastors at our annual Pastors Appreciation Luncheon featuring Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer, for 36 years, was pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago, the historic Moody Church in Chicago, and he's also the host of Running to Win Radio. It's heard weekdays at 11.30 a.m. right here on AM 640, FM 93.7, and FM 100.7. Again, the Collierville First Baptist Church did a terrific job hosting the event with over 200 pastors that came out. Thank you, Pastor Chuck Herring, Dr. Chuck Herring at Collierville First Baptist Church. His staff and the volunteers there were so wonderful and hospitable to all of those who came out, and we thank so much their hospitality and the way they served in the name of Christ, and we had a wonderful time. Well, I'll tell you what, Dr. Erwin Lutzer had a great message of encouragement, but you know what? It's going to continue because Dr. Lutzer is hanging around for a community-wide worship service at Carrierville First Baptist Church, 830 New Bahelia Road. Now, that is going to take place tonight with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Doors open at 6 o'clock. The event gets underway at 6.30. There's going to be worship, praise music, great preaching from Dr. Lutzer. He'll be bringing a message from God's Word on standing for Christ in a hostile culture, and we really hope to see you there. That'll be taking place tonight. Now, recently I was in our Bot Radio Network Nashville studios for a similar pastor's event that we held there with pastors in the Nashville community. By the way, the featured speaker then was Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and we had a wonderful time as well. While I was in Nashville with our regional manager, Todd Payne, for this pastor's event, we had an opportunity to take Dr. Lutzer into our studio and sit down and do an interview. I thought it would be nice for you to learn more about the life and ministry of Dr. Lutzer, so I thought I would share that interview with you right now. You said that you were from Saskatchewan. There is a place uh, where you're from in Canada <laughs> called Saskatchewan. I was born and reared, uh, I guess the biggest city in the area would be Regina, Saskatchewan. A little bit north is Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Many Americans don't know where that is, you know, but it's north of Montana and North Dakota. And it's so flat, uh, Byron, that you can stand on a can of shoe polish and look halfway into next week. <laughs> so I was born on a farm, and uh, I uh, grew up, became enamored with Billy Graham at the age of about um, oh, 11 or 12. I saw the first Billy Graham film. I wonder if there's anyone listening who remembers it. It was entitled Mr. Texas. It was a black and white film. I still remember Billy preaching to 40,000 people in Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas. And I came back hooked on Billy. 
my generation of teenagers was into Elvis, but I was into Billy. And I think I made the better choice. Here's another way in which I want to bring glory to God. Okay, I'm brought up in Saskatchewan, Canada on a farm. I become enamored with Billy Graham, who becomes my hero. And I wrote a book, which I don't know if your listeners have heard about. It's entitled, He Will Be the Preacher. It's my autobiography. And I wrote it to give glory to God to show how he took someone born on a farm in Saskatchewan, Canada, and all the steps and all the dots that God connected so that I could be the pastor of Moody Church for 36 years. It's a story of God's incredible faithfulness. It's called that, He Will Be the Preacher, because according to my mother, when I was a baby sleeping in a crib, the pastor's wife came, uh, the pastor and his wife, but before the wife left, she said in German, He Will Be the Preacher. And uh, I don't know if that was an offhand remark. Of course, I never knew her. She died when I was very young. But at any rate, um, what she said was true. I did become the preacher. Do they speak German in your home? Yes, yes. And uh, we answered in English. But when I go back to Germany now, because I lead tours to the sites of the Reformation, have done that five or six times at least, I can at least have basic German. Yeah. I still speak a little bit of it. The title of your radio program, Dr. Lutcher, is Running to Win. And I want you to talk a moment, if you will, about our our race that we run as Christians. And I, I think sometimes we get stagnant because once we feel like we've crossed the line or we've, we've, we've uh, connected with Christ in salvation through faith in Christ— and sometimes we, we, we might coast or we don't understand what it is to, to run for a higher calling in him. Exactly. You know, of course, the imagery is taken from the book of, of Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, I run the race. And, uh, you know, the Bible is filled with that kind of imagery. For example, in Hebrews, it says, you know, um, take off the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us that you might be able to run the race. So to me... Being saved, of course, is the entry point. That's where the race begins. But after that, the rest of your life is a race. And I may be speaking to some people today who've gotten off track. Uh, they are no longer running toward the goal. They've gotten off onto other things. There are those who perhaps uh, in discouragement have stopped running altogether. And so the purpose of running to win, among many other purposes, though, is to keep us on track, to keep the goal in mind, to make sure that we end well. And nobody can do that without discipline, without focus. Uh, this doesn't happen just by osmosis or uh, hoping that it's going to happen. You really do have to have that kind of vision and planning. There is a scripture that says, let us run that race, uh, taking off those encumbrances. That yeah, can and the sin down. which does so easily yeah. beset us. Yes. And then it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, if I may use an illustration from my farm days, there is a story about a farmer who is beginning a new field and he chose an object far away and drove the tractor toward it, knowing that if he kept his eye on that object, that the furrow would be straight. But he looked back, and the furrow was bent. And later on, he realized that the object that he chose was a cow. <laughs> you know, in other words, <laughs> uh, and, and there are many people 
who begin well, but they look back on their life and they realize they did not run straight because they got off on something other than looking to Jesus. When we talk about our relationship with Christ, knowing that, you know, it was on a cross that that he died. I mean, that the sacrifice that he made, and some people kind of wonder, why would it be a a blood sacrifice? Why did Jesus have to die this horrible death in order for me to be able to receive eternal life? It was actually to satisfy the justice of God. Now, here's something that's very important, especially for college students. You know, you can go on the internet today, And you can find, oh, all the different religions of the world, they all demand blood sacrifices, we are told, or most of them, you know, this religion, that religion. And so it is said, oh, Christianity is just one of those religions. No, it is not. And the difference is this. In Christianity, God becomes the sacrifice. There is no other religion in the world. They may demand blood sacrifices, But here, God becomes the sacrifice. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So in order to satisfy the justice of God and to to therefore, if we might say, and it's biblical, appease God so that he could be legally just by justifying us, that's the heart of the gospel. You talk about... uh 36 years of ministry that uh, have have been spent and served uh, and labored, and I, I can't imagine all of the, the things that you've experienced at the great historic Moody Bible Church. Uh, I mean, even the, the history of the church itself, uh, the late D.L. Moody, uh, caring for street children and uh, wanting to share the gospel with them, something that at uh, the time, uh, I, I believe the church at that time was ignoring for the most part. Well, the, ch- the kids weren't welcome in the church because, you know, kids, especially street kids, wild, swearing, they were tearing things apart and so forth, and they were rowdy, and people said, we don't want them. So D.L. Moody begins his own Sunday school. It grows. President-elect Lincoln actually stops there and visits Moody's Sunday School on his way to Washington to be inaugurated. And uh, in 2014, which is two years ago, we actually celebrated the 150th anniversary of the Moody Church. And I'm very glad to say that even though we were begun like that as a Sunday school, which morphed into a church so that Moody would have a church where, where kids could attend, Today, the ministry of Moody Church toward children is thriving, not only within the church, but within the city. So it seems as if um, we have come back to that vision, although it was never lost, but it's just that in recent years, there's been a great emphasis on that. And so D.L. Moody's heart continues to be realized. Was it in lieu of call to the church, uh, looking for a pastor, that you took that position? Or what were the circumstances that led up to you coming <laughs> oh, to Moody? Oh, <laughs> thank you. All right, here I am. I was the pastor of a Baptist church in Chicago, a small Baptist church. I resigned in March of 77, 1977, to teach full-time at Moody Bible Institute. During the summer, I was going to study philosophy. I was working on a degree. So we wake up the first Sunday of April without a church to go to. I wanted to go to another church. Rebecca, my wife, said, let's go down to Moody Church. 
because I had come to know the pastor, Moody. Uh, Moody, <laughs> I should say, Wearsby. Wearsby was the senior pastor. Well, I don't know about you, Byron, but often when I hear the voice of God, it sounds an awful lot like Rebecca. <laughs> so we went down. We had only two children. This is 77. I, I drop her and the kids off looking for a parking space. LaSalle Street was as tight as a drum, okay? But lo and behold, a guy gets into a car ahead of me, and uh, he drives off, and I back in, think, wow, that's lucky. I'm within 100 feet of the door. I go in the lobby to find Rebecca, and Wearsby is there with his coat on. I said, Wearsby, what are you doing here? He said, Erwin Lutzer, I'm sick. I'm on my way home. Will you preach for me this morning? So the first time Rebecca and I ever attended a service at Moody Church, I preached at Moody Church. (laughs) And that was one of the dots. That's why I wrote my autobiography, He Will Be the Preacher. I wrote it to show how God led me when I was even unaware of it. That was one of the dots that God connected so that eventually I would become the pastor. So it was very unique. It was not a matter of the church. The church was seeking no, no, not at that point, but the church was, um, as long as Wearsby was there, but when he resigned, the church continued to seek a pastor, but I became the interim pastor uh, because of that providential parking space and then became the pastor on January 1st, 1980. So, Byron, here's the bottom line. My whole life has been a series of such uh, providences, and I think it's because of the prayers of my parents. You know, my father died at 106, my mother at 103. I always say my parents lived so long that I'm sure until my father died, all of their friends in heaven thought that they just didn't make it. You know, they said, where are the Lutzers? But they prayed a lot for us. They suffered a lot. They were Germans brought up in the Ukraine. So that's their history. They suffered a lot, but they prayed a lot. And I think I'm still the beneficiary of my parents' prayers. What a great legacy and heritage to, to draw from, especially those spiritual lineage that you're, you're sharing there, Dr. Lutzer, with our, our parents and knowing that uh, you know, our prayers are important. But when you talk about connecting those dots, you know, the Scripture talks about is we have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. So our relationship, if it's by faith, we are to walk in him by faith. And, and sometimes I think in that journey, if things aren't going exactly the way we feel they should, we're, we question God or wondering, does he really love me? Or, you know, uh, why isn't my life being blessed more because of my, my faith? And, and it, it seems like I, I'm taking more, you know, side, side roads. Yeah, sometimes. we just need to trust God even when we have a side road. Right now, my wife and I are trying to sell a house. We bought a, a um a, uh, par- uh, I shouldn't say a parsonage, a condo that we moved into because we wanted to uh, scale down. And so the house has been for sale for six or eight months. Now, you may say, well, that's trivial, but it does relate to what you've said. It makes us look back and say, did God really guide us when we bought that condo, you know, now that we can't uh, seem to get rid of the house? Here's what I have come to conclude, and it should be encouraging to all of our listeners, even when we make decisions that may be our fault, if we trust God, God is willing to help us in those decisions just as much as he is in decisions that others have made for us that have been damaging or difficult or wrong or whatever. 
So at the end of the day, we trust God always. We trust him with our good decisions and our not-so-good decisions. And uh, we hang in. And the good news is, often we are being guided, and this goes back to my book, we're being guided in very special ways, even though we are unaware of it. 36 years as pastor at the Moody Church there in Chicago. What would you say was one of the most difficult times in that period of ministry that you had encountered? (laughs) It doesn't take me long to answer that. I have an entire chapter in this in my autobiography. It was a lawsuit against me. I was sued, and the church that dragged on for 10 long years, which we eventually lost. So there are lessons to be learned here, and that is that the idea in America that the church has autonomy uh, no longer is true. Uh, We asked someone, we took an ordination away from someone to whom we had given the ordination, and we were sued for it, and we eventually lost lost the lawsuit. So that undoubtedly was the difficult thing, and it dragged on for 10 years and three months. But um, in addition to that, if you ask the question for other pastors, what is most difficult, oftentimes is dealing with people, people who oppose you. I've been very fortunate. I've had very little of that in my ministry. But um, I'll tell you, it's difficult out there. And sometimes it's people that you trust, people that you know, who may turn against you. Pastors are often hurting because they are on one page, the congregation is on another, and the church board may be on another. And resolving all these relationships so that there's a sense of unity of purpose and unity of heart and mind is a perpetual challenge for pastors. I know the church is uh, given quite an opportunity right now in light of just... uh, uh, there's so much disunity in our country. We talked about that some this morning uh, at, at our luncheon. Uh, the recent presidential election has caused quite uh, a stir and division as we move forward now in President-elect Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, you look at the social media. I mean, so many Christians seem to be living out their, their faith and their opinions and comments through social media uh, you know, how, what is our responsibility? How, how, is, how are we as believers to, to respond when there is so much division? There's so many people feeling like that their rights are being stepped on or they're not being, their voices aren't yeah. being heard. Well, you're asking really a number of different questions. By the way, I just wrote a blog. It's entitled A Word to Both Sides of the Aisle. And it should be on the Moody Church website. I think just um, after the luncheon today, I approved the final version. So I hope that it's there, where I tried to speak to the people who were in favor of Trump and the people who weren't, the people who maybe voted for Hillary, because we have a word for both. (laughs) I think it's, um, and and the people can go to the blog and find out what I had to say, but here also... um, We have to listen to one another. If somebody tells me he voted for Hillary, I uh, may disagree with that, but I have to say that Trump gave people many reasons to not vote for him. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking of the bumper sticker in Chicago that um, 
a couple of weeks ago that said, I already hate our next president. And the question is, who do we vote for or against? So here's the bottom line. We need to be able to listen to each other, to hear why the different people voted the way in which they did. And if we can agree on Christ, we can get along even if we don't agree on a specific politician. So these things need to be discussed in a context of acceptance. And I think the church today, and it divided evangelicals, as you well know, not to mention the people of the world. I think now is the time for us to put the pieces together and to say, look, you and I were on different sides in this debate, but if we're united in the gospel, that which unites us is greater than that which divides us. It divides us. So let's not be quick to judge one another in this regard. There are, I think, in these matters, a matter of individual conscience so that uh, we don't have to think that everybody thinks exactly like we do. And so all of these things, I think it's a great opportunity for a church to be the church, to extend all of branches to our brothers and sisters who disagreed with us and they to us backward, uh, back to us, because um, we can't continue to let this tear apart. What we do need to know is that now that Trump is president, he needs our prayers, he needs our support, and that has to be very paramount. And Here's what I'd say is that there is a danger because Trump apparently is going to appoint people, you know, who are more conservative to the courts and so forth. And he's more open to the Christian uh, message with the people he's surrounding himself with. And so there's a lot of optimism in the evangelical community right now. But let's not look to Trump to do what only prayer can do. I fear now people are going to say, well, you know, this is going to be really, we're going to get back to the America that once was. I believe that the darkness in America, you know, we could mention a number of different things, is so deep that no matter who would have been elected, we as a church need to recognize that we have some huge spiritual battles that we're involved in. That's a really good word, Dr. Lutzer. You've referred to uh, a couple of times in our conversation about your biography. Uh, I know you've written uh, several books, and one of which uh, I think has been released on the the Reformation. Yeah, the name of the book is um, Rescuing the Gospel. What was Luther doing rescuing the gospel? Now, I feel very deeply about my books, but of course, you know, why wouldn't I? Rescuing the Gospel is the story of the Reformation. It not only includes Luther, but if you're Presbyterian, you'll understand your roots if you belong to different, uh, to some extent. I didn't cover all of that, uh, of course. But here's the thing, is that we now need to rescue the Gospel in America because there are so many instances in which we have false Gospels, sometimes even being preached in evangelical churches. But next year, 5, 7, 15, 17, the uh, 95 theses were nailed to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg. Next year, 2017, 500th anniversary. So I'd encourage people to get a copy of Rescuing the Gospel. My autobiography is called He Will Be the Preacher. And, of course, what you can do is go to moodymedia.org. Boy, is it any simpler than that? 
moodymedia.org, or of course, you know, there are those who will go to Amazon, but um, they can connect with us in that way and get some resources, sermons, books, etc., you know, I started in Christian broadcasting back in the early 1980s, and I remember uh, some of the Moody programs coming out of Chicago, and uh, Donald C. Cole uh, was a wonderful Bible teacher. And uh, tell me about uh, having some of the relationship with some of the staff members there at Moody Institute and some of the other those who have uh, just been a, a lighthouse for the gospel, you know, for so many years at a Moody Moody Institute and, and Moody Bible Church. Yes. Now, Donald Cole, he was a very nice man. And not only that, but his answers over the radio sometimes were a little different than you might expect an evangelical to answer it, but it was usually very rational and biblical and right on the money. It was very interesting to see how he answered questions on the radio. It's been my privilege to be the friend of four or five of the presidents of Moody. I'm thinking of Dr. Sweeting, who continues a ministry in a church with seniors in the Chicago area. And then after that, Joe Stoll was a good friend of mine, Michael Easley, who's now in this area, and now, of course, Paul Nyquist. So that's four presidents. And um, how thankful we are that Moody has kept on the line, you know, it's kept gospel-focused and uh, has held to its doctrines. And, you know, that's nothing to take for granted, Byron. Boy, you look at history, and Moody uh, Bible Institute is about 20 years younger than Moody Church, so we're talking about 130 years or so. So many institutions that are that old collapsed under the weight of liberalism. Thank God Moody has not, neither the church nor the institute. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview I had with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer is host of Running to Win Radio, heard weekdays at 1130 a.m. right here on AM 640, FM 93.7, and FM 100.7. Don't forget, Dr. Erwin Lutzer will be speaking tonight for a community-wide worship service at Collierville First Baptist Church, 830 New Byhelia Road, and you're invited to come. He'll be preaching from God's Word on standing for Christ in a hostile culture. Doors open at 6 o'clock. The event gets underway at 6.30 tonight. Please make sure to come and be part of this wonderful community-wide gathering of worship and hearing God's Word. Well, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.